Good afternoon and welcome back to the Conservatarian Exchange on the Liberty Block. Today with all of our regular hosts, that would be Gina, Mike, Ed, Ed, and myself, Steve. As always, the show is being recorded live and will be available as a podcast within an hour or so after it is over, which you can find on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Facebook, Rumble, and Odyssey, and who knows where else. As always, please share any feedback you may have with us at our email address, which is currently ejsshow at protonmail.com. Good afternoon, everybody. Good afternoon, hi, everybody. All right, I'm taking over. I'll tell you the things I want to talk about today. I'll, I'll even go one at a time just to be nice, and then you can tell me what you want to talk about today. And Gina, you're in charge of our winners and losers section since you came up with that last week and it was a great idea. So I first, I want to discuss Canada and I want to discuss Canada. And obviously the news seems to be changing almost minute to minute up there. But as one other author put it, is this a Tiananmen Square moment? Part of me says if they crush this, everything is crushed. Part of me says it looks like the truckers may be winning. Um, part of me keeps saying America is not going to be able to pull this off because we're cowed down by the J6ers and what happened to them. So I'm just curious, everybody's opinion on what's happening and where's it going to go to and what does it mean? Well, this is Ed, Ed M. I, I've, I, I didn't hear Tiananmen, I wasn't thinking Tiananmen Square. Maybe I'm just more optimistic because I was thinking Tea Party. Um, I think it's going to go in the right direction. And I think I'm cautiously optimistic that American truckers are going to do the same thing in America. And I think that from all, from all reports that I see, most of the people in Canada support the truckers. It's only the government that doesn't support them. Only the government. So, so let me add, there was one story about the police descending on truckers with automatic weapons and riot gear. We all saw them taking the gasoline and diesel fuel away from them. We heard about them criminalizing, bringing food to them. And we have the transport minister saying they should cancel the driver's license of the truckers. So my question is, are they going to crack down, which only takes a government, and they could crush it if they really want to, or are they going to, ba- are they going to back down? And I'm glad you're optimistic, well, and I know you know at least as much as I do about what's going on. I mean, they, uh, you know, they you- could crush it. Uh, obviously, um, uh, the military has said they're staying out. But, you know, they banned uh, giving uh, gasoline to the truckers. I saw one video this morning where literally dozens of people were walking up the hill to, um, uh, to, to where the protests are, each one carrying two gas cans in their hand. And nobody's uh, getting in front of them. And the, uh, the backup at Windsor-Detroit Bridge is, Ambassador Bridge, yeah. is even more... Um, I think I, I think of it more in terms of a Gdansk in in 1982. To be honest, I, I think it's it's uh, it very well may crack the COVID totalitarianism as everybody seems to be. I mean, the deaths are at the highest level they've been in months, and everybody seems to be backing off on um, the COVID measures, which is uh, good. Um, I, from American history, we have to remember the Whiskey Rebellion. Uh, the federal government put an excise tax on whiskey and people revolted and there was some violence against revenuers 
and uh, mostly due to Hamilton, uh, the army was called out and marched west into Pennsylvania and everybody scattered and there was no fighting. And then they marched east, declared victory and promptly repealed the uh, tax on whiskey. So I, I think that's something that I think might happen in the sense that um, they will do something and the truckles will go home and then they'll immediately repeal well, all the restrictions. There's a bit of, it's, it seems like there's a little bit of mission creep with this, right? I mean, it started off as just like, we want to make our voices heard. And now, now it seems like there's a real end game that they're striving for, which is to have all these restrictions lifted, right? Yeah. And they want to bring down the Trudeau uh, government, which, you know, you can do with a vote of no confidence in right. the parliament, right? And I mean, my... My sense is they're winning the PR battle easily right now. I think Trudeau looks horrible. I think some of the attacks on his own citizens, which we've experienced here at home too, are just dis disgusting. But, um, you know, I wonder at this point how long they're going to hold out. Well, people but are coming, his own, the parliament's coming against Trudeau, which is great. They're standing up against him. Trudeau just looks like more and more of an idiot every day when he said, I believe what was his comment he made it last night that he had to put in fact more mandates out and people had to follow the mandates so that they would have more freedom like i've never heard anything so butt backwards in my flipping life yes, you have you heard george bush say something about you have to destroy capitalism to save capitalism mm -hmm. yeah it's one of those type things um I, I don't think trudeau has very much farther he can back himself up before it all just collapses in on him and I think also, you know, you shared the the Daniel Horowitz article, Steve. And I'm going to get to that one, yeah. And but I think it ties in. You can get to it, but I think it ties in right right here because I think if they try and crush, if 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 they try and crush those truckers, or if, or if the American government tries to crush a similar revolt here, I think you're going to see. I think you already see people are are, are thinking along those lines. I mean, Horowitz formalized it but you know and for listeners who don't know what the article says he basically asks the question is it time to to take the left up on the offer of defunding the police in big cities and his reasoning he says yes because the police are only enforcing tyranny against good people and they're arresting the good people while they're letting all the bad guys run wild and i think that, absolutely and i think that that's that's on display in Canada right now. And I think that if we have a similar, you know, there's supposed to be a similar trucker movement either on March 1st, or they're trying to do it accelerated even sooner. If they try and do it in America, I think you'll see that happen. And I think um, many truckers, I mean, because truckers are stuck sleeping in the middle of nowhere in the middle of the night, many of them are armed. So I think that it's going to be, it's going to be a bloodbath if they try and do to the American truckers, what the Canadians are doing to the, Canadian truckers. Oh, I must be reading like totally different papers. Um, you're going back to the whiskey rebellion. We grew up, those of us over 40, when toxic masculinity was not considered something horrific. When pulling yourself up by your bootstraps was something you bragged about. Today, that's being crushed by every single cultural power that there is. I, I just don't see us having the guts to do that. And I think the message of keeping the January Sixers in jail in solitary and with no hope whatsoever is very strong to people in this country. But who and you say I, is toxic I, 
where are you seeing the toxic masculinity, the crackdown or the resistance? No, the resistance. I don't think America has it in them anymore. And I think January 6th was Tiananmen Square to a big extent, and they're crushed and they're never going to get out because that message is constantly there. If we get out of hand, this is what's going to happen. And by the way, what if their uh, minister does say no more licenses for truckers? What's I mean, to stop I, them? There I, is, I think there the, is. I think the um, Gdansk parallel is. Better. I like the Gdansk. I like the Gdansk parallel. And I think, I think the, uh, I, as much as we would absolutely love even someone who lives in the area, uh, you know, 100,000 trucks to paralyze Washington, D.C. I mean, if, if that isn't a, a, a wondrous, glorious thing to contemplate, I think uh, if, they, if they do the same thing in the United States, they probably should do it like with the Windsor Bridge, like something critical, but not in Washington, D.C., where the you know, threat to our democracy or threat to their oligarchy is, um, is apparent, just like the Gdansk weren't in Warsaw, right? But they weren't going away. This is the first real strike in the terms of you know, industrial action um, that we've seen in our lifetime. See, uh, but here, most of the strikes we've seen are just play acting. This is a real strike. So by here's real the, workers. If Trudeau is to, or their government is to take the license of these people, so there is, I believe it's three hundred and twenty-five dollars, three hundred twenty-five million dollars of imports and exports that crosses that Ambassador Bridge daily, daily. That is going to cripple both governments. So there are, I mean, stock shelves or whatever you want to say are empty to begin with. What the heck is going to happen? I mean, how bad is that going to make the government look? Here, you already don't have crap. Now you've just gotten rid of $30 billion worth of trade or $300 billion, right. whatever the heck the math is. I mean, yeah, every show, I believe, is very well versed in Atlas Shrugged. And I really don't remember them giving in just because there were no food, no food on the shelves and no transportation or anything else. As long as they can stuff their own faces and line their own pockets, I don't really think they care. Who's the they? The people in power. I don't think Nancy Pelosi would care. I don't think Chuck Schumer. I would don't think care. they care either. But it's going to take it's going to take resistance. They're yeah, gonna I, mean, need to I don't think they have it. If you look at the new DHS terrorism advisory, which came out, I think yesterday, which Bongino is yelling about, a lot of people are very scared. That literally they're calling us all terrorists for saying anything about COVID. Um, pretty much saying anything, and they're all preparing for a crackdown. And I don't yeah. see what there is to stop them. So well, look, I, I hope mean, you're right. The, the, the truckers are not uh, comparable to the J6 rioters in my mind. First of all, they, they have a lot more leverage in the, given the fact, like Gina was saying, that they're responsible for trade in the country. Um, so they do have some power there and they have strength in numbers. So what, you you know, what are they going to do? You guys they're going to round them all up? Would well, you with, remember with, 1981 when, when Reagan said, fired the air control? Yes, that's what I'm talking about. And you know what? They said we can't live without them. They got the leverage. And guess what? We lived without them. And it's a poker game. And I'm not so sure we are holding the cards. At least bluff well, I think that I think that the Pelosi people don't care if we starve. I think that's part of the plan. 100%. Honestly. Yes. I, again, that, that air control thing was a completely different thing. You, they were hurting the American people. All right. I mean, you're talking about truckers that if they had replacements, they'd be looked upon like scabs, like when baseball had a strike and, and there were no name players wearing the uniforms. 
I don't think it, it's the same at all. Well, no, well, and it's in the magnitude of how many drivers there are. I mean, that's drivers right. toting your fuel to get back and forth. That's drivers bringing your propane, your heating. I mean, it depends on how big it gets. Is it just going to be commodities and goods that these drivers are postponing from delivering? Is it medical stuff that's not getting delivered? Well, it's going to be everything. We had an article a couple of weeks ago where they were talking about 17 and 18 year old high school students right, being, getting their being recruited and solicited to become truck drivers. How many accidents on the road is it going to take before people say, oh, no, you're not doing that to us? Right. I, 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 again, I, mean, I, I think if they did it somewhere that would hurt, like San Francisco, that's the place to do it. First of all, you can't drive in San Francisco anyway without getting into a horrible traffic situation. I believe Add that's where they're supposed to be 1,500 trucks, it? and it would totally paralyze the entire woke, big tech, Nancy Pelosi, Gavin Newsom, entire area and th and that would be a much better thing to do i think it washington, is supposed to start in san francisco and go all the way to washington dc because i know they were talking about going through raleigh which there's 10 million different uh pieces of information coming across but i think san francisco is where it's supposed to start if i remember correctly but even with this situation when it comes to the big tech we've got chip shortage everywhere those truck drivers are the ones bringing it across these people are going to lose money. This isn't, I mean, air traffic controllers, yes, they're detrimental to getting flights out, but there's not everything that we depend on to keep the country going um, like the truck drivers, I don't think. That's just personal opinion. So you think they're going to surrender or they're just going to try to save face and say, we're not giving in, but give in and pretend that they did? The drivers? No, the, the government. I think they'll give in. I mean, they're giving in right now. Look at Governor Hochul. She did her little thing earlier, got rid of the indoor mask mandates. They're all backing down. This this uh, is their version not, of no, the government. They are they not are. backing down. Let me Murphy say something. said he got rid of the mask mandate as of. Yeah, next That's really March, March 7th. Well, I think they're backing down because they realize midterms are coming. They see oh, how man. much they've screwed up. And this, yeah. this, we, we, we've gone from follow the science to follow, follow the money right. to follow the polls. Right. I'll, I'll repeat what I've been saying for a year now. I don't think they're backing down at all. I think it's a tactical retreat. I think they're fomenting the next crisis as we speak. And I think we're going to have a severe economic crisis, probably a banking crisis or a currency crisis. Mm -hmm, that I agree with. Probably before the end, end of the summer, if not sooner. And I think they're going to try and use the next crisis to not only crack down, but I mean, to crack down on all the dissenters. And, and change our government, change our structure of government. They know that they're going to lose this election. They're not stupid. And they're not. And unlike in, say, 2010, when they could say we're going to pass Obamacare and, yeah, we'll lose, but the Republicans won't repeal it, we'll come back. There's nothing on the table. They're not getting anything for, for the, the slaughter they're going to get this year. So there's got to be a plan B that they're working on. And to me, the plan B is foment a crisis whether it's a, a war where we get our butts kicked in, I mean, I don't think it's going to be Ukraine. I still think it's going to be in Taiwan um, and or a, a currency crisis and a banking crisis. And I, I've thought the banking crisis, we've been in one for a long time and it just, they keep printing money to try and paper it over. I think that the whole COVID lockdowns were actually related to a, to a banking crisis that was breaking out in 2020. And um, I think that's what's coming. And I think that these, these retreats on COVID, I mean, they're so coordinated and so obvious and so 
inexplicable that they, the only thing that explains it is they've got another plan coming. They're working on something else. And, okay, and so how are the truckers going to stop your uh, economic crisis? The truckers still will not have oh, they're gonna be, stop that. It, it, that's going to that's going to uh, exacerbate it. I think the Democrats understand that and they, they're looking for a crisis. They want to inflict pain, just like just like Trudeau wants to inflict pain. You know, and, and you know, Mike, you're talking about Governor Murphy. How in the world can a governor know what the conditions are going to be on March 7th? <laughs> if he knows that things are safe, then he should be repealing the mask mandate right. immediately. The yeah. only purpose is to inflict more pain and to show who's the boss and, that you, well, and, to, and to show that you have to obey him and give coerced obedience to whatever he says you have to do. And that they're not relinquishing control. They're not relinquishing power. They're just making a tactical retreat right now. That's what I think. Yeah, I mean, he's maintaining his emergency powers, so he's he's not backing off on that. Yeah. Rule by decree. Ed, Ed, Ed while we're on the subject, um, now they're talking about all these rate hikes, right, with the Fed. And we all know that once if, if they really start doing that, then the servicing of the national debt's going to explode, right? Correct. There's they're, so they're how, why, why am I... Okay, I, okay, I, I'm skeptical that these rate hikes are going to happen. So I'm curious about your take on it. Well, I, this is why I think we have a crisis coming because inflation is getting out of control, and the only way they can try and control it is by raising rates and and trying to clamp down on the money supply. But when they do that, you're exactly right. It's going to lead to an explosion in debt payments on you know interest payments on the federal debt. And so they're not going to be able to do that. They're going to have to back off, which is exactly what happened five years ago. And when they start backing off, inflation is going to fire up again and you're going to have a crisis. And they're going to say, we have to we, we have to bring in the Fed coin. We're going to bring in the, the, the Fed dollar or whatever it's going to or the Fed card. And they're going to I, I've been saying digital currency for you know two years now. And, and I still think that's what the, the game plan is, because. A digital currency is going to allow even greater surveillance than the, the vaccine passport does. They'll track you everywhere, every minute of the day. So, certainly, I agree that that's uh, what they have in mind. But remember that <clears throat> the motivation at first for the uh, you know digital currency is allow it was to allow negative interest rates because with cash you can't you can't do that. And so, I think the urgency of sort of the Fed coin um, has gone away because, you know, for the time being anyway, I mean, they're, they're going to keep it right in their back pocket. I think the surveillance aspect was a, was a bonus for them rather than the origin of the idea, which uh, came up, um, you know, in Europe because they wanted to push and they did in fact push uh rates low, uh, below zero, um, for large, and, and large depositors. And right. But they, they really wanted people like Ed has said many times, um, they, they want to, they, when they want people to spend it, you know, so increase the velocity of money, right. So increase, um, MV, right. Um, then they can do that by either putting negative interest rates in it, you know, spend now or you'll lose it or, um, putting time limits on the money, especially handouts from the government, like you must use this by a certain time and you can't save it. And I think that's all true, but I think the Fed has found themselves in the exact opposite problem now and that there's too much money 
chasing too few goods. And um, I think the too few goods is going to get worse before it gets better, especially if the truckers go on strike in the United States. But um, but I think the too much money thing, I, I think they will try and suck the money out um, and that will cause interest rates to rise. But I, I really think the it's the um, not... So, I mean, I don't want to get a big lecture on how the Fed works, but you know, when, we, when they talk about Fed interest rates, that's open market operations for, um, for very short-term borrowing. The, and, that's, you know, and that's bad. What, what the Fed can do, um, other than that, is in the long-term, you know, what they call quantitative easing, which would require quantitative tightening, or the setting of interest rates on bank funds held in reserve at the Fed, which went away, right? So they not only spent all this money, monetary stimulus, but um, they were paying banks to, to keep their money on deposit at the Fed. And they, they reduced that for a while to try again, to try and get people to spend. Now, when they're doing that and V is up, they can back off on that. So there are things they can do without yeah, like but, raising interest rates to 20% like Paul Volcker did but let's, but, to suck the money out of the system. But let's just put some numbers on it, Ed. I mean, right now, interest rates are effectively zero. We have a $30 trillion debt. I mean, if interest rates went, forget 20%, if they just went to 5%, which 10%. Would still be, 5% would be historically low, you're looking at 5% of 30 trillion is one and a half trillion dollars. Yeah. I mean, our, our, even with the crazy budget that, that Biden has proposed, I think it's still- Two and a half more. trillion, dude. Huh? Oh yeah, one and a half trillion. I can't do math. Yeah, one and a half trillion. One and, and a half trillion. I yeah. mean, that, that would be like 25, over 25% of the federal budget right now. All of a sudden, we'd have to devote to, to debt service. It, it is and, funny. Like in 2008, there was this crash and interest rates went to zero. And what you would think, what I would, what I, what I in fact did in my own life was to refinance my mortgage at a lower interest rate for long term. Right, that's what I did because I'm responsible. What the Fed did was refinanced all that long-term debt to short-term to be zero. So while we could have like 10 or 15 trillion dollars in 30-year bonds out there at two percent that wouldn't ever change, um, what they did is they brought everything down to like one year and and right and six months and or nine days. About that, Ed, they they're going to need a scapegoat. They're not going to take the blame for what they've done. And the banks are going to be the scapegoat. The and banks, the banks are going to be the Trump, scapegoat. Republicans, white people, you know, the usual suspects. But they're going to what they're going to do is they're going to they're going to abolish the banks. They're going to that's the that's another function of the Fed coin or the Fed card or digital currency. They'll just run everything through the Fed itself. They'll lay the blame scapegoating the banks and just wipe the banks out of existence. Uh, well, and, it couldn't happen to a nicer bunch of guys, but I—that's never how things work in the United States. They—they—they they, uh, would—they—they they, they might wipe them out like uh, de facto in that they're just functionaries now of a, a Fed-run system, but they would never get rid of the banks. That would, you know, that's that's too communist even for the communists in the United States. I think they'll keep the banks, but they'll just tell the banks what to do all the time. I think the crisis is going to be bad enough that they're going to need to blame someone. Well, blame Trump. Um, you know. They're they always going blame to blame cap. They're going to blame capitalism. Yeah, just capitalism, like, Trump. Just like, just like AO, and the AOC. banks are capitalism to them. I mean, who's, yeah. who's more capitalism oh, than well, a banker? 
AOC is laying the groundwork. I it's, think it's an the, irredeemable system, don't you know? Right. I mean, I think you misunderstand though that the Fed is more or less controlled by the banks. So for the Fed to like dissolve the banks would be like the Fed to dissolve itself because almost all of the people in the on the Fed of the Federal Reserve are appointed by the banks. It's only sort of like half of the federal open uh, federal, oh, the FOMC, God, my brain. Open market committee. Open market committee that are appointed by the president. The rest are appointed by the bank. I, I, I just don't see the banks doing this to themselves because the banks control the Fed. I think it's going to be the Democrat party that does it. And it's going to be the night of the long knives, Ed. Oh, well, maybe. What a bunch of pessimists. I want to want to move back to the to the police angle because it's a big issue on this show from its inception. Um, but I guess the question is: Is there any point at which the police will stop enforcing all these rules? And we've said it before: Trudeau is not enforcing mask mandates. Pelosi's not enforcing mask mandates. Biden's not enforcing mask mandates. It is the cops throwing nine-year-olds out of restaurants. It's the cops who just arrested this Tina Peters lady out west, the Colorado clerk. It's the cops who have been caught, the Capitol Police spying on Congress people, which is absolutely mind boggling, I would think. Every single one of these mandates is up to cops to enforce. And you know, I was talking to somebody this week, there was a cop who was like paralyzed by the shot a week ago. And I said, you know what? It's kind of ironic because they're the ones forcing everybody to get the shot in the sense that if you don't get the shot, the restaurant's not throwing you out. They're calling the cops and the cops are dragging you out. And the answer was, as always, they're just doing their job. Now, that wasn't translated from German, but work <laughs> makes you free. Work makes you free. Work That's makes what you free. Right. That one I, I know. Think it's akin, well. I think it's akin. Oh, you're not done? Go ahead, finish up. No, I'm just, I just wonder, is there any point at which they're going to say no? I think and there's a bigger lesson, Steve. Is there any point they're saying no? Yes, but it's not the point that you're going to like to hear. I think that the police are going to be just like the judges. They won't ever lead. They will never be generals in this war. They will always be followers. We keep waiting for judges to strike things down, for judges to do the right thing. And while a few of them have issued some good opinions, by and large, the judges are just following and they will not issue the right ruling until everybody else is already ahead of them and they're just catching up. And I think the same is true for the police. They're never going to be generals in this war. They're never going to lead us to victory. They're going to be followers. And in a sense, that's really that's a lesson of American history. And it's it's a lesson of all the American foreign policy misadventures of the last century. People have to fight for their own freedom. Well, it you're fighting for your freedom against the police. We're not fighting for our freedom. Well, but we against... still, huh? I'm, okay. I mean, I'm not calling for, you know, for people to start blaze, coming out guns blazing. But the reality is we still are a gun. You know, we have a gun society. We have guns and we're able to, to protect ourselves if we need them. And if the government needs to be reminded of that fact, then it needs to be reminded of that fact. And we're not going to get we're not going to be rescued by anyone. And it, not just because they're not coming, but it, that's not the way the world works. You know, we, we tried to liberate Iraq. We tried to liberate Afghanistan. We've tried to liberate 
dozens of countries. And unless the people want to be liberated, it doesn't matter what, what, what amount of force is used to dislodge a dictator. Gaddafi was, de was deposed. He was, you know, he's killed. Is Libya a free country? Did we spread Jeffersonian democracy there? No. It's the same thing here. If the people aren't ready for freedom, it doesn't matter what the police do. And I think the police on some level understand that. And the judges understand that. And it's up to us. We're going to have to fight our way out of this. Well, you know, Horowitz was yelling about this over a year ago. I just happened to see the article that he wrote today or yesterday. Um, I, lo I lost my train of thought, unfortunately, which is probably for the good. <laughs> so I'll let somebody take it over till I get my your, train, your train of thought. Didn't get any of that Amtrak funding that they oh, were yeah, well, I mean, part of my train of thought. <laughs> It was extremely unpopular two weeks ago in New York to make comments about the uh, funerals in St. Patty's Cathedral and anybody who did got quashed. But at a certain point, people need to make a choice. Are we standing with the wonderful peace officers or are we not yeah. standing with the enforcers well, of all these emails? I think we have to make a, a distinction, right? I mean, I, I Take New York, for example. Governor Please, Hochul. please stop right there. Take yeah, it. Take New York. Yes. Yeah. Again, we don't want secession. We want to kick people off the island. That's the, the people argue about secession. We don't want secession. We want to kick people off the island. Anyway, um, even though there was a, a statewide mass mandate, my guess is that it wasn't enforced anywhere except Manhattan and some of the uh, you know, some of the outer boroughs. I, I can't imagine up in, you know, the Finger Lakes region or in the, um, you know, in, in the country anywhere that anybody's going to, uh, you know, uh, enforce stupid things like that or vaccine passports or anything like that. And I think that's the true most through most of the United States. We hear about these awful police doing awful things, but everybody has a phone. Um, everybody has a camera. And if the police were doing like hundreds or thousands of these awful things, we would be bombarded by hundreds or thousands of videos. So I, I don't think the police in general are as hard. I, I mean, I'm not a fan of the police, right? Because I've never had a positive interaction with any. But on the other hand, I don't think it's quite um, as bad in general as some of these videos might seem to make it. Certainly they are bad and those police are bad and the police are giving them orders are bad not and the politicians the are bad. Are, but in I, Australia, I, the police are worse. In Israel, the police are worse. I'm not even going into Europe. So I have a question. Do all of us agree the FBI's got to go? Yes. Do all of us agree the Capitol Police have to go? Yep. I'm afraid so. I mean, we are literally at a point where we have federal police forces spying on people and just doing unbelievably horrific things. I don't think we even have scratched the surface of the whole Russian collusion thing of how dirty and filthy that was. You guys following the scandal in Israel with the police at all? No, tell us about it. Oh. And you know about the whole Pegasus thing, right? No. The Israeli spyware, there was a spyware scandal of several months ago. Oh, yeah. Must yeah. Know, where all the countries right. in the world were caught up in this. Israel had this super spyware for cell phones right. that was supposed to only be used against terrorism, but it ends up it was being used all over the place. Well, in the last week or two, it's exploding in Israel that one of the papers published that not only isn't that how they got Netanyahu, and as we know, he wasn't reelected because they had him under indictment for everything under the sun. 
Well, they now know that they had bugged maybe his lawyer, maybe his son, and there's apparently a list out there of politicians, businessmen, et cetera, who have been bugged by this incredibly sophisticated spyware. And it may or may not shake up the country. My guess is they'll make a commission and bury it somehow, like everybody always does. But I think I've said it before, there's not much reason to believe that America is any different. We just haven't figured it out yet. And again, if you would have told me a Capitol policeman would go into a congressional office dressed up as something else and spy on a congressman, if you would have said that a couple of years ago, I would have laughed in your face. And yet they're going to get away with it. Yeah, they'll get the IG to investigate it. And then five years from now, they'll give it to Durham to investigate the IG. Durham. Is he still alive? He ain't. Listen, he's the one who came out a few weeks ago and said the IG lied to him and didn't give him evidence. <laughs> now, the That's IG's right. not going to go to jail, but um, unfortunately, who knows how long it takes. IGs, I think, are just a way of sweeping things under the rug as well. And apparently they've been reading, what was it, Gosar's mail? Whose mail was it, they said? One of the congressmen said they've been opening his mail before it gets to him. Yeah, it was a couple of, the, I think it was a couple of the GOP congressmen. Yeah, I don't remember the names, but it was it was more than one. You know, and I, I want to circle back to something real quick that we just touched on. Um, and I think maybe with the police officers, and I could be wrong, but I'm hoping some morale starts coming back to the departments. So I don't know if you guys saw in New York, they're actually going to be taking like petty larceny and charging people again for theft. They're going to be charging when there's assaults on the cops. So the DA has reverted. Um, I don't, did you guys see that at all? The guy, Mr. Bragg? Yeah, yes. I hear he's backing down a little bit. He, yes, he is. Um, that, I mean, that's a positive. And I don't know if morale coming back to these officers to start doing the things that they were actually hired to do, what they were sworn in to do, um, is going to maybe help with them getting the backbone to say, hey, no, I'm not enforcing this. I'm not going to do this. This is what I signed up for. And we're back on the job. So I don't know if that's going to help. I, that's just my hopeful thinking. As the blind men say, we shall see. Yeah, just as likely. Okay, so I will let somebody else bring up a topic that they want to talk about. The crack pipes. I want the crack pipes. <laughs> How do I get my crack pipe? I want a crack. Oh, I'm not, oh my I'm not, gosh. I'm not black. No. That's only up here. Uh, well, well, you don't have to be just black. You can be LGBTQI plus A something. But apparently white males don't use it because this is to achieve equity. You remember, yes. you remember so that there was this equity, giant yeah. conspiracy theory. Okay, my, if it's a conspiracy theory, it might be true. That the CIA flooded black communities with crack back in the 80s. That was the big conspiracy theory. The CIA flooded black communities with crack. And that is why um, the, the crack epidemic cost the black community so much. So now the Biden administration is giving crack pipes to the black community in terms of equity. Oh, it's, it's disgusting. And the whole thing that they've put out there for this, because at first I thought it was kind of a joke because I've heard of different you know, needles being issued so that it's clean and safe, whatever, you know, but they've put it out there that this is to prevent infection. So it's 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 crack pipes for smoking meth. It is injection kits. It's safe sex kits. It's um, vaccines for hep. 
But anyway, so they put this out there that the reason behind it is to prevent infection. If they're flipping dead because they've overdosed, what the hell does it matter if they've got the infection? Like, seriously, this is the most backwards thing and backwards thinking. So they're just going to impoverish more people in the black community by sending this there. Hey, go get high. Don't take care of your kids because it affects black women more than anything. And now they're just sending it free of charge. Have fun. Well, and don't forget to, you have to connect the, the drug situation with the illegal immigration situation because it's the drug, the drugs are coming in through Mexico and, you know, the, the, the need for crack pipes is only because of all the drugs that are coming in that through the open border that Biden has swung open for everybody. So those two are, are intimately connected. They are. I just, I can't like, I can't logically reason how this makes any sense. Well, like, that's it, it, talking about. Of course it makes Gina, it speaks very highly of you. Thank God. Thank you. It, it makes total sense. You have to understand the mentality of the left. Well, I get, I get they, that part. They can't but... rule free and independent people. They can only rule insane, crazy, sick people. That's why they're trying to mainstream mental illness. That's why they're trying to mainstream insanity. Because somebody who's high on crack all the time is not going to be capable of taking care of himself. And if he can't take care of himself, Who's going to take care of them? Well, the government, the of government. course, right? That's they have their really, plan. But, are, but are those that's ones that business, are are those crackheads going into the voting booths? I mean, come on, like seriously. No, but the 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 crack kids will will either sign up to vote or they won't even care about voting, and the Democrats will harvest those votes. Okay, uh. this is all a big conspiracy. They are it's a big game, and they are well. They they've got a whole plan that they're implementing, and we're 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 losing this battle. Yeah, this is our tax dollars paying for people to flip and get high. This is just flipping Not ridiculous. Just, the people getting high is just a tool for them. I know, but it's, it's just ridiculous. It, it's worse than ridiculous. It's evil. It is. It, it's part of the coup that they're staging right now. We are living through a coup d'etat. I mean, what else could that $30 million be used for? What a... Mm, I'm not going to say nothing else. Well, we're all in the favor of it not being used at all, right? Right. <laughs> not not used yeah that that so that's uh my hot topic of the week waste of government funds right there meanwhile the opioid epidemic is so out of control that uh, i i hear that narcan sales narcan is that uh, thing you give people with uh opioid overdose that that stops the effect of right the injection yeah and and sometimes hopefully a lot of times brings them back to life that Narcan sales are off the charts because the cops are using them hundreds and hundreds of times a day to keep addicts alive. Well, it, you know, it's interesting you bring up the opi- opioid uh, issue because- Yeah, I mean, that's those are, primarily those are not, white. That's well, primarily well, white, those are so not dr- equity, they should wait, be- Wait, 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 those are not drugs equity. that are coming over the border. Let's remind ourselves how that crisis began. It was with the pharmaceutical companies pushing those drugs on people. And now we're still supposed to trust those same drug companies, right? When it comes to the vaccine. They're now coming across the border, right? I mean, it's because it's mostly fentanyl from China through Mexico. Mm. But, well, here, but here's the thing though. With the, big, the big pharma companies, right? So there was a county and I want to say it was Hamilton County and it was about three years ago 
um, the sheriff of Hamilton County said, we are no longer letting our EMS or our officers go out with Narcan. And it put a dent in their overdoses because when you, when everybody is stocked with this Narcan, yes, it's a great thing. It saves lives, but it just gives more freedom to go out and get flipping high. Cause there's a backup plan. The paramedics will save me. The cop will save me. Whoever in their brother, my aunt that carries it in her purse will save me. So, you know, until some of those law enforcement do the right thing, you know, those sheriffs and saying, Hey, our department's not dealing with this. We are not here to correct somebody's ODing. That's not why we pay officers to be on the street. I mean, it's ridiculous that departments are spending this money on this. Personal opinion. They want to put themselves in that risk. They die. They die, you know, go to the corner, but that is not the job's of the police to be running to inject Narcan into anybody or the paramedics. No, it's the job of the police to arrest all the COVID violators and allow BLM right. to run wild. True story. I think we got to talk about redistricting, Steve. Yes, please. You took the words right I, out of my I mouth. Have, I have one right <laughs> Go for it, Ed. Well, I mean, I, I was glad to see in one of the articles you, you, you shared that they referenced the federal constitution, article one, section four, because that's what, I mean, I'm in North Carolina with Gina and uh, our Supreme Court came out with a decision Friday afternoon or Friday evening, striking down a completely fair map that had been approved by, by the lower court unanimously. It was a three judge panel and if you read, let me read Article 1, Section 4. It's like two sentences. This, is, this deals with how, how, how congressional districts get drawn. The times, places, and manners of holding elections for senators and representatives shall be prescribed in each state by the legislature thereof. But the Congress may at any time by law make or alter such regulations, except as to choosing senators. It is the state legislature's job to, to, to draw districts. And if you don't like them, it's too flipping bad, to quote Gina. There, I sat with our local, here in, in, in North Carolina, our local member of the House of Representatives, Gina. He comes to most of our Friday morning breakfasts. Oh, get me going on him. I sat down <laughs> and I showed him that provision on my phone. And I said, if that court comes down with a decision that strikes down this map, you need to file an emergency application to the U.S. Supreme Court, mm -hmm. ask for a writ of certiorari, and ask to have them strike down this that decision because they don't have the power to overturn districts. He won't do it. And and he he just did a metaphorical yawn and said somebody is going to look into it. Yeah, I know and, that. Mm -hmm. And it just it's so appalling because you look around the country and Democrats are drawing maps. I think New York was like twenty-one to three or something. Uh, Illinois had a had a really uh, pro-Democrat map. And but in all these Republican states, the Republicans are either surrendering preemptively like they are in Missouri. OK, where they have a tremendous majority, but they're still writing a map that's basically even if not pro-Democrat. And yeah, or, or in North Carolina and South Carolina, they have a challenge also in Alabama. I mean, all these Republican states, those those legislatures are apparently are not allowed to draw maps. But all the all the Democrat legislatures are allowed to gerrymander their states 
so that Republicans are completely disenfranchised in those states. Well, the it's thing outrageous. here that was was the most outrageous to me is that with that Supreme Court that we have here, because it's a 4-3 uh, majority, but two of those Democrats would not recuse themselves. Those maps are for them. They're running in this year's election. And the fact that they did not recuse themselves from that case, I mean, I'd be in an uproar if I was our, our, our local representative. Holy crap. Try to shut my mouth. You know, I mean, it, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Absolutely ridiculous. I was actually going to bring this up, too, because I was reading an article from the Manhattan Institute about New York and what's happened there. And um, I believe New York is losing one seat going from 27 to 26. But the Republicans at this point stand to lose half of their seats in New York, dropping from eight to four because of the outrageous redistricting that the Democrats have shoved you know, down the Republicans' throats. This is apparently uh, an Eric Holder operation that uh, started yeah. when he yeah. uh, left the Obama administration, which is to fight tooth and nail. They're always this, a step Republican. or two ahead of us, aren't they? Yeah. And, sorry. Fight tooth and nail Republican redistricting plans and, yeah. um, I mean, and no. push Democrat redistricting plans that uh, that minimize Republicans. And, you know, the weird thing is, is, again, if you go by the numbers today, which are not the numbers in November, but the numbers today, Republicans are going to gain 100 seats. Um, and they are going to try, uh, you know, to cut this in half by, uh, you know, lies and propaganda between now and the election. And they're going to try and cut it even further and may even cut it to zero um, by their redistricting plans. And it's just yeah. uh, amazing that the Republicans are going, eh, okay. The stupid yeah, party. Seems okay. I mean, yeah, they're Once stupid again. party. The, you know what? The non this is not stupidity. Party. Well, look at this. this treason. Well, I was just going to say, look at the stupid party. Look at Mitch McConnell. He just did his press release. What the heck did he do this hey. time? Oh Insurrectionist my. again. Like, God, what the hell are you saying that for? Why? Like, what uh, is wrong with because this? Because it's one party. Oh, my God. Bottom line, one party, it's the Republicans surrendering unilaterally because they're on the other team. They only wear our uniforms two weeks before elections. Yeah, well, apparently they're going to be a court challenge in New York. As always, whenever we go to the courts, I don't expect anything good. But, you know, uh, just to read a little bit from this article from the Manhattan Institute, um, it says that... uh, New York Republicans only recourse, therefore, rest with state courts mere hours after the governor enacted the new districts. A GOP led group of voters filed a lawsuit in upstate Steuben County. Article 3, Section 4 of the New York Constitution provides that districts should, quote, not be drawn to discourage competition or for the purpose of favoring or disfavoring incumbents or other political, particular candidates or political parties. So this seems like there's some potential recourse. It's just that we can't trust the courts to do anything correctly. You know, the odd thing about this too, that uh, again, I, I apologize. I'm a Protestant when it comes to reading the constitution um, is it says the state legislatures will draw the boundaries. Do you know that in most states, certainly here and in um, Pennsylvania where I grew up, uh, the legislature draws the boundaries and then they send it to the governor for his signature and he can veto it. That's nowhere in the Constitution at all. The governor is not involved at all. The state courts are not involved at all. The federal courts, unfortunately, well, the reason- are, are involved uh, through uh, some of the amendments 
um, which are, is regrettable, uh, some of the civil rights amendments. But um, I think that's due to legislative surrender. They've, they've passed legislation that allows the governor to, to veto. I think that's where that comes from, but I'm not positive. I'm not sure the legislature has the right to surrender their power like that, just as I don't think the federal legislature has the right to surrender its power to make laws to the FDA and the CDC and the NIH and all of these I, other I don't disagree with that. crazy people. That's a good point. Yes, but they have whatever power they take unless we can yeah. fight. So well, again, it, that goes back to what I was saying before. Nobody's going to stop them until somebody stops them. Again, unfortunately, I don't want to sound like one of our members who uh, will not be named but lives overseas. <laughs> At a certain point, there are no other solutions but the ultimate one. And that's really scary yeah. stuff. Yeah, I mean, we wouldn't be talking about this if we didn't have a federal government that really isn't a federal government anymore. It's a, it's a national government for, for all intents and purposes and centralization of power leads to tyranny. Um, we wouldn't, again, we wouldn't be so concerned about all of these uh, congressional elections if the federal government were true. To you know, you really gotta hand, it, you gotta hand it to the Dems. Like you say, they're always one step ahead. There's several steps ahead. It's only about two years ago when they were fighting over the census, how Donald Trump is doing these, all these illegal things to skew the <laughs> census. They fought, 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 whatever they lost on that, they have another plan to come back, another plan to come back. Mm -hmm. But they will never let this side win. And they can always count on a McConnell or somebody else on our side to defect and give them what they want. There was a good um, Supreme Court decision, a US Supreme Court decision, um, uh, just a couple days ago um, in Alabama, uh, basically um, Alabama uh, created a, um, a redistricting map and uh, some district judge in Alabama uh, overthrew it like, you know, less than a month before the primary deadlines started. And, um, at, you know, using the, the Voting Rights Act or whatever nonsense. Anyway, um, and ordered them to, to redraw it, you know, in a week or two or whatever. And so the Supreme Court uh, put a stay on that order and said that, uh, you know, you, you can't, you know, change the rules this late in the game for an election. Now they never did it in the 2020 election when they changed the rules like, you know, constantly in 2020. But um, apparently Justice Thomas was the, uh, was the justice in charge of I don't exactly know how this works, but that area, so that when emergency uh, applications for injunctive relief come, they come to him and then he refers it. Uh, he, he can actually take action by himself, I think, or refer right. it to the whole court. And he referred it to the whole court and the whole court um, basically agreed with the state legislature and, and uh, knocked out the state. So that that's some progress on this i mean they need to do that with a lot of these well uh, yeah that's the whole point the, the state legislatures have to start appealing the north carolina legislature needs to file an emergency appeal like i said i mean you know we i think the supreme court is is not so corrupt on this issue that they rule the wrong way i think they'd rule the right way on this one because there's really no other way to rule yeah I mean, we don't have, we meaning people who like freedom do, do not have a majority on the Supreme Court. We don't even have 
I mean, sometimes we have a minority of one Thomas and, and other times, you know, may, may have a minority of three, but occasionally we win uh, there. So it's better than losing. And with your lawyer mind, can the people sue the Supreme Court of North Carolina? Can the people sue the Supreme Court mm -hmm. of North Carolina? No. For what? Uh, for just going against if legislation is the only ones that can do these maps. In other words, do yet the people they just, have standing, not just. We, the uh, there you go. Do we have standing? Well, like Bush versus Gore, no. where they sued in federal court to overturn a state Supreme Court decision that was grotesquely partisan. And I think the That's answer what I'm is, to get at. I think the answer like is, that? you know, it has happened. Uh, that was an unusual um, episode in our history. Very unusual from multiple perspectives, but I mean, it can happen. Well, it can happen, but it's not going to, I mean, I don't think they're standing. I don't think you're going to succeed in that suit. Anybody can file any lawsuit, but the question is, does it have a chance to win? I don't see how, I mean, the general public doesn't have, you have an attorney general that can bring lawsuits. I mean, I'm not even sure the attorney general of North Carolina, if he were not a Democrat and otherwise so inclined, I don't even know if he would have standing to sue to sue the Supreme Court. I think that the remedy is, as I've said, the, the aggrieved party is the legislature. The legislature should be a defendant in this case. And if they weren't a defendant, then they should have intervened. But I'm almost positive that they're, that they're a defendant. So they should be the ones filing the appeal to the Supreme Court. They don't need to start with a new lawsuit at the trial court. You're right there. The next court after the North Carolina court, Supreme Court is the U.S. Supreme Court, and they should file an appeal right now. It should have been filed already. I mean, it was this was this came down Friday. Thinking of bringing up a topic, I'm not sure if I even want to go here, but it is occurring to me that for the most part, other than the Supreme Court, the only way to become a judge is to become a lawyer. And the only way to become a lawyer is to go to law school. And the only way to go to law school is to go to college. And I am learning pretty uh, close to firsthand that for anybody who doesn't have wacko left-wing ideas, they have to totally squash themselves, their speech and all their behaviors for four years of undergrad and then to a brutal, brutal gauntlet of liberal onslaught of ideas once they get into almost any law school. And I can't help but think that that is severely filtering out what's funneling all the lawyers into the system. Yes, they actually just, I was listening to something today and there was a study they were referring to, but last year, I believe it was, it's 80% of college students have to self-censor what they say because their teachers are so far left and so radical that they have to keep them keep themselves in check. So what That's I'm saying is even worse is if you get into a law school, I mean, I went to social work school 30 years ago and you can argue is law school worse than social work school, it depends. Um, but there were days I, I was, came home and wanted to literally, excuse the expression, vomit. Mm -hmm. And when you have to go through that for three years of school, it's not only self-censorship, it's putting up with, with ideas coming at you constantly that are so foreign and it just eats away at your self-respect and your integrity. And what I'm fearing is that that itself keeps anybody conservative out of the legal profession, making it even harder 
for somebody to get into the legal profession because it's the lawyers who control the bar, who control who gets into schools. And I see the whole thing is stacked horribly against- I gotta, I gotta say a good word uh, for someone you're gonna be shocked, I'm gonna say a good word for. And that person is named Pat Robertson. Uh, Pat Robertson, as you know, is a, a conservative Christian talk show host and I think preacher. Is that the Duck Dynasty guy? No, that's a different oh. Robertson. Oh. Pat Robertson was a preacher. <laughs> and Pat Robertson uh, was the head of the Christian Coalition. The Christian Coalition, yes. And he started a university in, Liberty? Uh, in Virginia Beach, which I've been to, by the way. And it's beautiful. It's called Liberty University. Mm-hmm. It's a, a, a strongly Christian school that does a strongly Christian. I graduated from there. Go Flames. Ah. Oh, you went to Liberty? Yes, I did. Oh, oh that's amazing. Well, anyway, it has a law school. Mm-hmm. And the Liberty University of Law School is actually quite good. I mean, I'm sure that, uh, um, you know, U.S. News and World Report is not going to like it, but uh, it, it is quite a good law school. And this is, uh, this is something that I think the libertarians and conservatives really ought to emulate, is, is really starting up what might be, you know, considered partisan or, or um, Ed, paro- Ed, with all parochial. Respect, who accredits the law schools? Yeah, I think the the accreditation for schools is not so much um, the content, but the procedures. You know what I mean? Um, the, okay, there are so many ethics written into every different profession today yeah, right. that all they have to do is squash you because you're violating the ethics of the profession. And with diversity, inclusion, equity, and all this stuff, that's really easy to do. Well, you know, the weird thing is, is like Pat Robertson, he made a lot of money being, you know, what was it, the 100 Club or whatever that, whatever it was. 700, 700. And then he put it's 1400 it, with inflation. Yes, it's 1400. <laughs> he put it where his mouth is. Now, I, there was a tweet yesterday, and of course, I was a smart ass. I really love the guy, but Elon Musk tweeted like the media is so biased and wrong. Um, we have to do something about it. And I tweeted back at him, well, if I had $250 billion, I could think of a way. Um, and uh, <laughs> Did you write back? No, I don't think Elon listens. Will to you me. take my check? <laughs> but uh, you know, I think uh, you know, I think he is a he is a moderate on social policy, but he's quite a libertarian and a capitalist, uh, and he hates the wacko left. I mean, how much would it take to start, you know, Elon News Network or something, you know, and and actually staff it with fair? A journalist I, I, cost you know less than a billion, right? And the same thing with the university. You want to went endow university less than a billion. I mean, he 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 could do it. He could make Elon Aerospace, you know, university, and concentrate on all of the, you know, um, math and physics and engineering, and leave out all of the crap. And, uh, you know, really make a difference in the world. And or the I mean, Ed, Ed Maslish, I, I don't know how much you keep up or have to keep up with the bar's ethics, so to speak, or you have to be a certain type of good citizen or whatever to be um, allowed into the bar. I don't know what's in those rules, but it's nothing for them to put that you have to be pro-choice, you have to be pro-LGBTQ, LMNOP, MOUSE, et cetera, and stop anyone from becoming an attorney. Well, as part of my continuing legal education requirements, I now have a diversity, equity, and and inclusion or diversity, inclusion, and equity requirement that I have to sit through 
depending upon which state we're talking about, New York or New Jersey, and I'm going to get licensed in North Carolina and probably South Carolina soon. Um, I have to spend a couple hours, you know, I have to do 24 hours of CLE every two years. And of those 24 hours, about two or three of them have to be devoted to this absolute nonsense. And I just took some, I just finished some in December. And when they asked me for my uh, evaluation of the course, I reminded them that there was not a single law, not a single statute, not a single case uh, ruling. Nothing, there's no law in any of it. This was all propaganda. And, and I objected to it. Um, but they not that it's going to matter, you, but... They don't but, have to admit you to the bar when you're coming out of law school if you don't have the character that they want you to have, correct? That's correct. I mean, I'm in the process, like I said, of you know, getting licensed in a couple of new states. And, you know, if they start listening to this podcast, I might not get licensed. I mean, it really is a very serious issue. I know as a social worker, there are many social workers scared to death for their licenses because to comply with the ethics rules, you have to be, by definition, super far left. There is no room for you in the profession if you're not. And I assume it's like that in law. And if they want to crack down, they can... What I'm saying is it's you got to it's filtering people out just by the fact that you can't stomach it. It's so bad in colleges and then in professional schools. It's bad, but it, you can still compartmentalize it away in law. But as with, you know, Republicans dealing with Democrats, most lawyers just you know, preemptively surrender and engage in unilateral disarmament. They're they're totally fine with caving into the leftist horde. And uh, it, it's disappointing and it makes it hard to, to deal with a lot of lawyers, but. Right, but then it ends up, we wanna know why there's no pool of judges from where to select, even if we could select. If you think about it, they're being all filtered out. You no, know, I mean, there's some, there's a truth to that, but if you really wanna start thinking about the problem there, you have to start looking at the good justices and how even the good justices seem to fall by the wayside. I mean, we talked in the, the OSHA case you know, the OSHA mandate case, Justice Gorsuch to, I know that there are some people on our side who, who aren't, who don't think Gorsuch is that good, that he came out with that awful ruling on the, on the transgender issue. But um, all in all, I think Justice Gorsuch is generally one of the better guys. And, you know, as I talked about on this program and Ed Powell talked about, you know, he starts off his opinion, conceding the premise that government gets to regulate whether you get to whether you are forced to, to take an injection. And it's, the only question is, is it the federal government or is it a state and local government? The, the, the notion that the individual gets to decide what goes into or not into his body doesn't even enter his opinion. And the question is, why? And, and I don't have a great answer for that. Uh, even guys that are still good guys still seem to fall for it. I mean, heck, even Justice Thomas didn't bother to write a concurrence saying that saying that the individual gets to decide what goes into or not into his body. And why? I don't understand why not. I mean, I know Justice Thomas knows that. Why didn't he say it? I don't know. But that's rather than focus on how it's being how the, the good guys are being filtered out. I think the, the more interesting inquiry to me is why is it that even the good guys who managed to make it through still seem to surrender and still won't even put up a fight. I don't know. I forget how Rush used to word it, but that liberalism is the, is the easier route and you have to fight to stay conservative. He worded that better, but. Yeah. 
Yeah, but I mean, you know, Clarence Thomas, I think, is is one of us. It's just, you know, he's he's not, you know, he, you know, I'm not a libertarian, but Rand Paul, God bless him, he is consistent and he always comes out on the right side of the issue. For the I mean, he always comes down on the way you would expect him on an issue. Okay, it's not always the right side. I don't agree with his foreign policy views, but he is consistent. I know what he's going to say. I know what he's going to do. I generally think a guy like Clarence Thomas, I know what he's going to do. But every now and then he does something and I just where 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 did you go, Clarence Mm -hmm. Thomas? And I don't know why that happens. But it does. I read an article today that that talked about the the way the Supreme Court works. And again, I'm just just reading the article. Right. And, you know, they do the oral arguments and they do the um, the the written arguments and and all of the uh, motions and whatnot. And then they go to decide the case. And apparently there's a lot of personal in-person discussion, argument, back and forth, like sitting around a table, bunch of people sitting around a table arguing over the case, trying to figure out what to do. Now, I didn't know that. I, I figured there might have been, there might be like 15 minutes of it, but I didn't realize that it was like, you know, a seriously long discussion about what they should do. And I think there's a lot of consensus building and trying to build coalitions in that time to try to get, you know, one side or the other. And I think there's a lot of, well, you know, if you say this, I'll vote, I'll vote in favor of your position. But if you don't say that, I'm going to vote for the other position. And I think there's a lot of trading, uh, horse trading and very sausage making that goes on in these decisions. And, you know, I surmised that a long time ago and people have sworn I'm insane. There's no such thing. Where did you see this? This was actually in that decision I talked to about the Alabama. Um, well, it's definitely true. Once they have once they have oral arguments, I think it's once a week they sit down and they just go over all the cases that they just that they just heard argument on, and they do a preliminary vote. Yeah, and then they, this is more than the preliminary, I think they trade horses. Based on the preliminary yeah. vote, they decide who's going to write which opinion, who's going to write the majority, who's going to write the main dissent, and and that's how it goes. Um, because there's like I, I'm very much into firearms and gun rights. And, you know, I've read um, Heller and McDonald uh, multiple times. And there's just some things in there, the dicta from, especially Heller from Scalia, uh, you know, who I generally like, not hundred percent, but I generally like, and there's just some dicta in there that it's like, you didn't need to put this in there. This wasn't part of the case. What are you talking about? Like, oh yeah, there, you can ban guns from sensitive buildings. Well, that wasn't part of the case. You know, it just wasn't part of the case. Why did you write it there? Because that's has come back to haunt us. And, and you know, Scalia's not dumb. He knew that writing that was hurting the pro-gun rights position. So he- Camel's either, nose under the tent. Yeah, the camel's nose under the tent. So he, he must have been forced to write that by someone. It was a five to four decision. He was forced- by, in, that, in this case, maybe Anthony Kennedy, uh, who was on the court back then uh, and was the deciding vote, to write that dicta in there. And it doesn't make any sense because it had nothing to do with the case at all. Zero. So it's, um, 
there's a lot of that that you, you look at these, I mean, not the liberal decisions because they don't have anything to do with the law or the constitution, but you know, the conservative decisions, you, and you wonder how in the world did you, did you write this in that, you know, this stupid statement in that. And I, my guess is it was the result of some sort of a corrupt deal-making basically. Basically. All right. Let's give everybody a chance to bring up what we didn't bring up. The failure of the Olympics. The what? The failure of the Winter Olympics. Go for it, Gina. Oh, well, it leads into the loser of the week. And that's going to be Beverly Zhu or Zhu Yi. I don't know what she's called herself now exactly. And I can't speak Mandarin, but she- Who cares? Well, I just thought it maybe be special. I don't know. I wanted to like how you do Hungarian and stuff. Anyway, so I don't know if you guys have heard about her, but she's a de facto. She has denounced her U.S. citizenship a couple of years ago, a year and a half ago, two years ago, uh, to go back to China and represent them figure skating. And she has been nothing but an epic fail. So her team, she was supposed to bring them to victory, to gold, and they actually finished in fifth. Um, so there's just images all across social media of her teared up and now she's lost her U.S. citizenship on top of it. So yay, Beverly, good call. Will she be alive in six months? I I don't know. I don't know, but I just think it's great. This is like the worst ratings ever. I don't think anybody even realizes the Olympics are going on, uh, besides the people that are following the persecution going on in China. You know, here they've got the Uyghur Muslim coming out with their little um, with their little torch representing China. I mean, it's just it's all a joke. Apparently, they're treating the athletes very poorly. Yes. And I'm thinking, and what were you expecting? Well, those were are supposedly the athletes that are in quarantine, that they're treating very, very poorly as far as their accommodations, their lodging, their food is supposed to be crap. Um, I, I, I wouldn't have even gone. I would have. If, I don't know. The IOC has just been in Beijing's hand. Feeding them cat and dog, is that the problem? Yes. All that stuff from the wet market. (laughs) Well, good for China, good for NBC for being uh, big losers on the Olympics. Yes. Okay, if you have a loser for the week, Gina, do you have a winner? Do I have a winner? You know what? I think it's going to be Ron DeSantis um, only because everybody is following suit on what DeSantis has been pushing for the last two years, um, having normalcy there in Florida. And now all of a sudden, everybody, all these blue states, they are getting rid of their mandates. They're getting rid of the masks. And they're trying to follow suit because they look really bad right now. And we touched on midterms will be coming in 2022. So it just shows that he's been right all along. So give him the crown. And uh, yeah, he's my winner. The the obvious funny part being is, I forget who who did it. It may have been Derek Hunter, who's playing clip after clip of DeSantis did it. This is what the press said. Murphy's doing it. This is what the press said. And it's really pretty funny in your face how they're treating it differently. Um, I want to make a rule, guys. If we, I want to vote on the rule, but I'm going to make the rule. DeSantis cannot be the winner of the week more than three times out of four. All in favor. <laughs> Sounds good. Yes, but I, I just want to just say something about that, Gina. DeSantis hasn't, I'm, I'm on the DeSantis bandwagon. Uh, I am supporting him even over Trump if they both run, but, or at least presumptively, that's who I would support. But I will not forget that he locked down Florida for two weeks also. 
He locked down the beaches. He locked down the state. He, he had the he had the courage and the wisdom to rescind it very quickly. But he wasn't right all along. He was wrong at the beginning. Agreed. Thankfully, he, he changed course. Well, but, I was wrong at the beginning, too. Ed, and people learn. Right. I mean, come on. Yes, but we worship you. We don't worship politicians. <laughs> Mike? Um, I have a few little tidbits. I, uh, you know, uh, AOC, I mentioned her earlier. She did come out. Can I interrupt you for a second? There's a rumor going along. No, you can't. The redistricting is putting her on my in my area. I know oh, she- how lovely. She represents a few blocks from uh-huh. me, yeah, but they're yeah. saying she's actually going to move into my where I am right now. Yeah, maybe we can get her on uh, our show. Go ahead. Sure. I mean, well, she's no, coming I, to your I, neighborhood, I Steve. Absolutely. Listen, I mean, uh, we know she's crazy. Uh, you know, last week we had Whoopi making some stupid comments, and I think it was out of ignorance, maybe more than anything else, perhaps. Um, but you know, AOC, I have to take her seriously, and. You know, to me, she's still pretty dangerous. And there's a lot of people out there that follow her and they listen to her and they believe the same crap nonsense that she throws out there. So when she starts talking about capitalism being irredeemable, uh, it's still concerning to me. A um, couple of things from New, New Jersey. I mean, I, if, you know, I probably mentioned that I some of these ads from New York about the, the shot have kind of gotten under my skin. There's, I, I call them propaganda ads now. So I'm taking credit for that one. So now New Jersey is at it. The latest ad that they have is with like a little nine-year-old girl sitting in her father's lap and how she was so happy to get the jab because she's going to be protecting her dad. So nothing like having just a really blatant basic lie about what what the shots do in in the ad. Um, The last little tidbit, um, and this has to do with the J6 people and the Republicans. So we talk a lot about how the Republicans don't fight. But it's worse when they're not only not fighting for you, but they're in total opposition to you. So apparently there was a coalition, including Christine Todd Whitman, former Congressman Rodney Freelingheisen and Leonard Lance, who all issued a letter condemning the RNC. What cent- three old losers cent- they are. For censuring Liz Cheney. And I always forget who the other Republican is on the J6 committee. Kinzinger. Kinzinger, yeah. That's exactly what they did. So are these people part of like the Lincoln project or something? Uh, I think she is Whitman. Okay. Yeah, some of them. Yeah. Oh, and that's no surprise. So, they're not Republicans. Yeah. Uh, let disgusting. me, let me tell you, Christine Todd Whitman did long lasting damage to New Jersey when she borrowed money to pay for the pensions, uh, making, you know, a crisis that we have today, something that we haven't really talked about a whole lot, but obviously a lot of states facing major, major pension crisis, but uh, New Jersey is certainly traced back to at least her, t- her tenure when she borrowed a lot of money to pay the pensions and that, that, that is still owed. That's all I got. Ed P, you got anything? I do. Um, I wanted to, uh, well, a couple things. I want to briefly read from the National Terrorism Advisory System Bulletin put out by the Department of Homeland Security. Um, The United States remains in a heightened threat environment fueled by several factors, including an online environment filled with false or misleading narratives and conspiracies and other forms of mis, dis, and mal information, quote, MDM, unquote. 
the government loves acronyms, right? Introduced and are amplified by foreign and domestic threat actors. These threat actors seek to exacerbate societal friction to sow discord and undermine public trust in government institutions. And I'll skip some and it says, for example, there is widespread online proliferation of false or misleading narratives regarding unsubstantiated widespread election fraud and COVID-19. Grievances associated with these themes inspired violent extremist attacks during 2021. I don't know of any violent, oh, oh, January 6th was 2021. Yeah. So this is insane, obviously. This is insane. I mean, this, this is weaponizing um, the government against people who think, for instance, there was widespread voter fraud, which of course we could have all seen with our own eyes, uh, and or um, uh, the COVID, uh, ridiculous, the COVID restrictions and, and they don't anything. So MDM, mis, dis, and malinformation. So I guess second is, let's see, winners and losers. Um, the winners of the week, I would say, are Putin and Xi. I, we watched some of the Olympics. I, I, they had one sort of event where skiers like flipped in the air a bunch of times. The cats really liked that. Um, but it was, it, they built the venue right in front of a giant coal-fired power plant, the giant smokestack and some cooling towers and with Beijing 2022. Um, and so that was a big FU to the environmentalists. So I, I kind of appreciated that. But the NBC commentators, besides being awful in general, which, you know, let's put that aside, are such um, China apologists in this whole thing. Um, and the, the words getting out from some of the Olympians about how awful it is apparently of the 10,000, they have this giant bubble, virtual bubble surrounding all the people who are participating in the Olympics to try and keep COVID out. So you don't, if you're in the bubble, you know, you're making food or you're, you know, there's a bunch of Chinese people and there's a bunch of athletes and, and uh, the Chinese workers and athletes and they're, and they're all in the bubble. And if you to go place to place, you get in a little van and you dr drive and the driver is a bubble person and you're bubble people and you go to the, so... It turns out that of all of these people, it's 10,000 athletes, there's probably 20,000 people inside this bubble. There's like 400 athletes who have gotten the coup. Strangely, and this is just, it goes to show how much better the Chinese are than we are. None of those athletes are Chinese. Of the 400 athletes that have COVID, none of them are Chinese. I mean, what are the odds of that? They must be great. And uh, China and Russia have made a deal. Russia is humiliating the United States um, with all of this panic talk about an invasion of Ukraine, which I don't think is gonna happen, primarily because I don't think Putin is stupid enough to do it. Um, he might be able to take Kiev in a couple of days, but I mean, the unrest would tie down most of the Russian army for, for years. Um, so, but Biden, for some reason, is making this, this huge thing. I mean, maybe I think that Biden is making a huge deal out of the imminent Russian invasion so that when Putin doesn't invade, Biden can say, see, 
see, I'm a tough guy. I kept the evil Vladimir Putin from uh, invading Ukraine when he had no such um, desire to do so in the first place. I mean, I could be wrong, but I do not expect an imminent invasion. The, uh, the Russian empire, which became the Soviet Union, um, was like the Roman Empire in that it expanded uh, enormously uh, purely by defensive wars, right? That was the old Russian, the old Roman Empire was said to have only expanded by defensive wars. And the Russian Empire uh, did the same thing until it owned half the planet. And I think the beating back of the Russian Empire um, was a good thing. I think Vladimir Putin doesn't agree with me, but uh, that was... Um, that was a good thing. And I think what we're seeing now is the beating back of the American empire. We have a very weird empire, whereas um, in the Roman empire, they tax the provinces to fund the center. And in the American empire, we tax Americans to fund the periphery. Um, but I think the, the United States government trying to run every country's lives to, down to bizarre, stupid details um, that uh, I, I think the American empire is fracturing. And I think the, uh, I think uh, Germany and France are, are going their own way. The Nord Stream 2 definitely shows that they want deeper integration with Russia, despite Putin. Um, and uh, I think with Biden being so weak, our ability to, the United States ability to, to um, adjust people's foreign policy uh, based on friendliness and mutual cooperation is essentially zero. Um, and it's all sticks, you know, sanctions here, sanctions there. I don't like any of these people, but I'm not in favor of quote unquote sanctions. I mean, if they're evil, if they're evil countries, we shouldn't trade with them at all. But, you know, if they're not grotesquely evil, there shouldn't be any sanctions. Because um, all that does is screw things up. So, and we're now, there was an article I read the other day is that, you know, the, our enemies are not the Russians, but are the Europeans who want to, uh, who want to trade with Russia. And, you know, we got to kind of make it, the United States has kind of got to make a decision as to whether, yeah. you know, whether we're, we're just going to boss everybody around anymore or just leave people alone. Seriously, if the, if the Europeans aren't concerned, if they're not going to step up, if Russia is truly a threat, then why, why should we care? Look, Europe has like, I don't know, 500 million people, and which is like three times the number of people as Russia, and they have a 10 times the, um, the, production, the productive capacity of Russia. And so if it's not, if they're willing to fight, it's not even, it's not even funny, you know? Um, and unlike the United States, they haven't, for the most part, hollowed out uh, their, except for the energy sector, their manufacturing capacity. So, I mean, let them fight the Russians if they want. I mean, the Russians would be crushed if the Europeans actually cared to fight. Um, the problem is they don't care to fight. And uh, only America, American boys from red states seem to want to fight anymore. And um we send them off to Poland instead of to Texas, where they're needed. So we're all concerned about everybody's borders. I mean, we're obsessed with Ukraine's borders. We're obsessed with, 
Israel's borders. We're obsessed with everybody, every country in the world's borders except the United States. And I, I think it's time to end that. So winners are uh, Putin and Xi and the truckers in Canada. And the losers are, as usual every week, all the rest of us. And then- I think the story we didn't talk about is the open calls for censorship from, from the Biden administration. Uh, they, they talked about the need to, for Spotify to do more to Joe Rogan. And it's none of the government's business how a private company disciplines one of its own employees. And for the government to be demanding further reprisals against a private citizen by his employer in the name of, of what would be censorship if the government did it itself is, is a huge story to me. And it's right up there with the government spying stories that you've talked that we talked about earlier. Um, the denial of rights and denial of habeas corpus for the January 6th prisoners. Um, but that, I think that's a big story. Um, we are, we are. Note that, uh, could, what? note that Rogan is not an employee of Spotify. Rogan is the CEO of Rogan Co. And he creates and produces podcasts and he has a contractual distri- distribution deal with Spotify. Right. Whatever's in that contract is, which none of us can see, um, whatever right. is in that contract is the important point. I didn't realize I was going to have a, an IRS independent contractor versus employee discussion today, but um, you're right. He's not an employee technically, but still what, what a private Whatever the contract says, whether Spotify has or does not have the right to do it, it's none of Biden's or Saki, Jen Saki's business, whether Spotify exercises that right or doesn't exercise that right. And to call for reprisal against a private citizen based on content of his speech is just absolutely appalling. And it, it, I can't believe it's acceptable in the United States of America, frankly. Um, as far as winners, I think the winner is, are the Canadian truckers and the Canadian people. Um, I think that what they're doing is really heroic and I think they're winning. And, uh, even if they, even if the government tries to, to smack them down like Tiananmen Square, uh, I think that they've already made their point. Um, I think they're going to win, but even if they don't win now, they will win. Um, and I think that the loser of the week is Joe Rogan because he tried to appease the mob and you don't appease the mob. And he had an, he's got an offer that as far as I know is still on the table to move to, I think it was rumble rumble. Yeah. And he would be free from all this harassment. And if he had any commitment to free speech, if he had any objection to the shaming that he was being pushed, put through, he would have told Spotify buzz off. I've got a better deal. Whether it was more money or not, I mean, you know, not that I want to begrudge anyone for making money, but there were enough zeros in that proposed contract from from Rumble that he could have lived many lifetimes without worrying about money. Um, The fact that he just sat there and hasn't snapped up that offer, the fact that he keeps groveling and apologizing tells me that he wants to be part of that team, not part of our team. And I think that makes him a loser. So... That's my that's my winners and losers and missed stories of the week. Mine is simple. Winners, whoever gets to listen to this show. Losers, whoever doesn't. And with that, we're going to wrap it up for the week. 
another great show. Thank you, everybody, for participating. We'll be up as a podcast, hopefully within about an hour, and see you all next week, same time, 4 o'clock, next Wednesday. Have a wonderful evening.